Alright, I have a fucking hangover. But that's beside the point. Welcome to this Madre Podcast number four featuring Sammy Thompson Martinez, aka Juan Yerbas, aka co-founder of this Madre.com. It's gonna be a fun conversation. But first, three quick ways that airplanes can fly over us and ruin a fucking podcast. Can you hear this? the fuck out of here airplane okay three quick ways that you can help us number one go to our store desmadre.com slash store buy a t-shirt buy a cap whatever that really helps and it looks cool and you can look fresh to your friends number two go to patreon.com forward slash desmadre chip in a dollar two dollars three dollars whatever you want you will be getting insider access to our community which we are starting this week thank you to our handful of patreon supporters so far i've been really really impressed and super happy that you guys are jumping in to support. We already have, I think, $60 pledged, which is pretty awesome because that covers like our utilities, like our internet bill here. So clearly it's making a difference. We would love for more people to jump in and be part of this. Patreon.com forward slash Desmadre. The third way, if you're listening on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, whatever, leave a little review. Give us a thumbs up or a five stars and just leave some comments. Hey, I really love this because da 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 and tell your friends about it. We want this to grow, and that doesn't happen without your help. All right, without further ado, this Madre Podcast number four with Juan Yerbas. Get the fuck out of here. Why did I say get the fuck out of here? Stay, listen to this. All right, starting now. This is this Madre Podcast number four. Thank you for joining us, people. Um, Today's guest is someone you all probably know pretty well. Mr. I think they do. You think you know, but you have no idea. <laughs> uh, many of you know him as Juan Yerbas. Uh, what's your real name, though? Samuel Thompson Martinez. Martinez? Yep. Martinez, like uh, Maria Hinojosa style. Martinez. Martinez. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we're gonna. Uh, this is gonna be another uh, Latin X therapy session, <laughs> like every other uh, podcast currently making the rounds yep. about identity. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> nah, not really. Um, so uh, I won't go too crazy into our background, but I will tell this just to get it out of the way that Sammy and I are cousins. That's correct. We are first cousins, and. Um, I have known Sammy since the day he was born. Um, we'll get that story out of the way. Literally, yep. Literally. Uh, we were at his mom's house, who is my aunt, my mom's sister. Fort Worth, Texas. In Fort Worth, Texas, on a stormy day in October of 1989. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we were visiting his mom, who was nine months pregnant. And she went into labor, so we actually, uh, I don't remember if we were in the same car, but we all went to the hospital together, and I walked into the hospital with Sammy's mom and helped check her in. I was 12 years old, so. Uh, was my dad there? I don't think I've ever heard my dad in that story ever. Like He was there. I, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure he, he was there. Yeah, at some yeah, point. Yeah, 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 I'm pretty sure he was yeah. there, yeah. yeah, yeah. In the times I've heard that story, I like I don't ever remember my dad in it, but yeah, I think my dad he, is not a, like a negligent father by any means, but uh. right. No, I think honestly, I think he dropped her off, and um, 
See, I, I, but I'm making this up because I just remember that somebody was parking the car and I walked in with your mom. And then we, we helped check her in and everybody else caught up. But no, no, he was definitely there because you weren't born immediately. I think you were born like in the middle of the night. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, or like really early in the morning or something. And yep. we went back the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, your dad stuck around. Yep. And um, somehow your mother got your big fucking head out <laughs> of her. <laughs> 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 it's funny actually um, I guess some babies are born with like an elongated head or something and my parents apparently the days after I was born they were freaking out because my head was like kind of like a cone shape so they rushed to the hospital and then the doctor was like oh that just that's normal for I guess <laughs> kids with larger heads it's just kind of still molding uh, <laughs> um but uh yeah speaking of your parents maybe you can tell us a little bit about your parents like where they're from and kind of like how they ended up in the u.s so yeah my parents met each other in texas they didn't know each other in mexico Uh, my dad is from uh, the state of mexico and mexico city and then my mom uh mom's side my mom is from guerrero mexico and uh, yeah they met they both came to the u.s at around the same time but they didn't know each other uh, before coming to the u.s and my mom went to fort worth texas because she had a family member there um your mother (laughs) and then uh, my dad went because a friend of a friend knew somebody there and then they met each other at a uh, uh, english speaking course or english uh, TCJC. Oh, really? And then, uh, yeah, and then they just met each other there. And um, yeah, my mom uh, believes she started um, as a housekeeper, um, and she did that for a lot for over a decade. And my dad initially, the guy who he came over here with apparently was a. Um, they used to uh, lay cement, and my dad said it like laying cement was just too hardcore, that it was just like you know super hot and. Uh, that he eventually somehow got into roofing. He was roofing a, was uh, easier. Yeah, somehow, yeah. <laughs> By maybe like a small like, notch. Of, like, nah, nah, fuck this. I'm gonna yeah. go to roof. <laughs> yeah. So, um, roofing is a bitch. Yeah, yeah. And so he did aluminum roofing, and he still does that today, technically, um, in uh, Fort Worth, yeah, in Burleson, uh, North Texas area, and in Oklahoma. So. Yeah, they, they did that. Um, and then my mom eventually went back to school. She became a nurse. And that's what she does now. Nice. Um, this is a, this is a sound like a weird question, but do you have like a first memory? Yeah. Uh, I think it's when my parents bought their first car. Their, uh, it w- I must have been like three or four, honestly. It's like a really bizarre that I remember. But uh, they bought a, uh, they had this, I don't know if you remember that, Volkswagen Jetta for a really long ass time since my, my entire childhood they had it was like a you know must have been like a 85 volkswagen jetta it was like a gray i believe it was like dark blue or gray jetta and i remember we uh he, they bought it from some person some at, at their house <clears throat> and i remember going and driving away uh, it was very vague but that's like the first sort of memory i have um yeah, I was at least no no more than four years old, but I, I remember that. Interesting. Interesting. Um, do you feel like your um, like was there something about your parents that um, maybe got you interested in uh, in the arts or music or? Because I feel like like my childhood, we didn't have a lot of that. We just 
pretty much had television, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like we didn't, I mean, we got a little bit of exposure to school and whatnot uh, uh, to that stuff, but there wasn't a lot of that sort of thing at, at home. For sure. Well, my parents, I feel like they definitely pushed me to do random stuff, whether it was sports or uh, guitar, which I initially didn't like. Uh, it was like in fourth grade when I first went to a class and I was like, I don't, I don't really like this. And then, like, a few years later in middle school, like, I remember I, there was, like, my guitar was sitting there gathering dust. And then I just was just like, man, I kind of want to play now. And then over the n- next 10 years, I played a lot of guitar. I got pretty good, and then I basically just peaked and didn't fucking take it anywhere. <laughs> and unfortunately, but, uh, yeah, I really, I love music. and, and uh, I remember once, I don't remember if it was your birthday or, I don't know what it was. Maybe I was... I don't know if I was in high school or if I was visiting, but I remember your mom was like, she wanted to get you a guitar, an electric guitar. Mm-hmm. And like, she like gave me the money and like told me to go with you to go buy it. Yeah, and, like, it was like this, shit, this, yeah. this Mexico colored guitar, yeah, right? Yeah, at a guitar center. Yeah, it was a PV. That's crazy. I forgot about that. It was like a green, mm-hmm. uh, red and white guitar right, or yeah. something like that. So yeah, in middle school, I started taking guitar lessons with a uh, this I guess, known blues musician from the Fort Worth uh, music scene. His name is Raleigh Smith. Shout out to him. He was legally blind. He literally could not see past, like, like a foot or something in front of him. He had gotten some disease or gotten hurt when he was a kid. But he was, like, a fucking amazing blues guitar player. He would basically just be like, what do you, what do you want to learn, you know? And you'd take a song, and then he would kind of listen to it, and then he'd spend like the first like 15 minutes of the of the class, like kind of writing down how to play it and like figuring it out, and then he'd teach it to you, as huh. opposed to more I guess formal, yeah. 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 What kind of music? Like what kind of songs would you ask oh, him? Oh man, I think the first one I can't, I'm embarrassed to say it was uh, some 41, the Fat Lip. It was like yeah, it was like in seventh or eighth grade, so. And I was like, dun 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 That was, yeah, the first concert I went to, too, technically. Uh, but, yeah, that was the first, the first song I think I learned how to play through Raleigh. That's funny. <laughs> That's funny. Some 41. Wait, what, when? That must have been, like, what? Like, 2000-ish. Like, 1999, 2000, 2001. That's right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it sucks. I feel like I had really terrible taste in music. It's funny because my dad doesn't. But then I was but, just... I mean, you I was were just like, listening to what most fucking kids were listening yeah, to. Yeah, my friends, you know, yeah. like the pop punk or whatever. Yeah. And then in high school, yeah. That's what everybody was listening yeah. to. I mean, even in college, like, I mean, that's just what was on. Yep. And yeah, exactly. That's yeah. what, you know, you played video games. And yeah. The Tony Hawk, that's, those are the yeah. soundtracks. Yeah, yeah. The games, the Tony Hawk and sure. the Hoffman game. That, yep. That's just kind of what was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think you were like in, I mean, just socially, like in middle school and shit, were you like the fucking class clown? Because that's, that's certainly a part of you I don't know about at sure, all. Sure, yeah. Um, I, th- I think, I guess growing up, I'm an only child. Um, and so I feel like the first, like, five to ten years of my life, I was really kind of more shy and sheltered. I feel like just kind of like a, you know, consentido, like, like only child, you know? I was just kind of like shy and like you know I was just kind of like a mommy and daddy's boy basically and then once I started going to school though and then you hang around other kids that's when I feel like I was like in some ways like craved attention or something and then just started becoming more of a clown 
And another hilarious memory from around that time was in third grade. Um, me and my friend Austin, who was also this little Mexican-American kid, we had just kind of started fucking around, and we would just make fun of people for some, what I don't even I couldn't tell you what we would say, you know. But we'd make fun of the kids in our class, and it became a problem to where um, like two or three of the kids went and told our teacher, and our teacher made me and my friend Austin write um, apology notes, apology letters to all our, uh, the classmates that we had been making fun of. So as uh, in elementary, I think that's when I started to definitely the clownness started coming out of like, you know, just trying to make your friends laugh. I don't know if this is, this is probably not, um, actually, I think it's kind of common. Like I think a lot of Mexican American kids, they get a little more, not necessarily a little more, but they get a lot of exposure to like the pop culture stuff and a lot of the rated R stuff because parents maybe don't care as much. They don't care or they don't quite understand it. Mm -hmm. Maybe they don't understand it. I think your dad understood it. Yeah. Your dad definitely understood it, but like my parents didn't really give a shit. Like, right. I mean, we we were watching you know rated R movies on sure, on yeah. HBO yeah, like yeah. all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you're a big uh, Brett Ratner fan. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean the mo- the movie I've seen the most amount of times in my life and probably ever is Money Talks, directed by Brett Ratner, starring Chris Tucker and Charlie Sheen. And, uh, yeah, I like those kind of movies, you know, it's like, and my dad liked them and I, you can, you know, I can see the criticism that they're corny or whatever, that they're typical kind of like Hollywood action buddy type of shit or whatever. But, you know, like Chris Tucker was fucking hilarious back then. And, um, (laughs) what the fuck happened to Chris Tucker? I, he uh, became a born again Christian. Really? Yeah. What a fucking moron. Yeah. I mean, he was at the peak right there. It was like Money Talks and then Friday and then, you know, Fifth Element. That's when he was like, everybody was like, holy shit, this guy's amazing. And then, yeah, he fell off. And then Rush Hour, of course, the Rush Hour 1 and 2. And then, uh, yeah, he kind of fell off after that, unfortunately. Was he like on drugs or why did he go? I don't know. Maybe he was just kind of partying. I don't know the the details, but I don't think he was like an addict by any means, but maybe he was just partying. You know, he's probably, like, in his mid-20s and shit, and he didn't want the, uh, you know, as soon as Friday came out, people immediately kind of labeled him, like, a pothead or whatever, like. Yeah. That's so weird how people, and obviously you don't know what it's like until you're there. Yeah. But it seems like people hit, like, this point where they're, like, too successful for their own good, and they have to, like, ratchet it down. Yeah. Um. But going back, yeah, I mean, that my, my dad, I, I saw that movie in theaters when I was like 10, 10 or 11, you know, and uh, my dad thought, it, I thought, it, I still think it's hilarious. It's a really funny movie. Um, Chris Tucker is just a master kind of improviser, comedian, entertainer. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think that's why my dad liked those movies, especially the Eddie Murphy movies too, was because they were kind of like these city slickers who were kind of like always on on their guard and they were really quick on their feet and you know Eddie Murphy can get out of any situation whatever like those first couple of roles that he had were like he you were th- it was like this guy this very New York kind of black dude who was very like smart and witty and he could get out of any situation he wanted and I think my dad related to that because Mexico City you know is also this huge city where you know you have to be like fucking on your on your guard you know you have to be yeah otherwise uh, the city will eat you up and so I think that's definitely why he he really liked uh, Eddie Murphy movies in particular because it was uh and he was really funny you know and he was a really talented guy and 
it's another unfortunate case of a kind of yeah backing off yeah 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 that guy's weird um it sounds like you're the other thing that's interesting about you i think your experience um in school is that you had a pretty diverse group of like classmates and friends like um you know you and i mean ethnically diverse like you didn't go to like a high school or a middle school or it was just all like mexican-american kids or something like that um I'm I'm guessing that was because you were kind of like in the magnet schools, or I guess so. Yeah, I mean, um, and why? How do you think that informs like your the shit that you do, like your work or your perspective? I feel that like North Texas is a lot more um, isolated and uh, wider than it is San Antonio. Anything that's like South Tech considered South Texas, south of Austin, south of Austin. There's like a there's like you know Tejano culture that. We're not really part of it all, you know. Like yeah. our parents didn't yeah. ever really do that, and um, yeah. so that being said, you know, I, like I think f- because of that, I didn't grow up in like a um, how should I say like uh, Mexican part of town, you know. Like my parents are super Mexican, and I think of myself as very Mexican as well. But uh, the typical sort of like um, community. Uh, family structure that you think of with Mexican or Mexican-American people, I definitely did not grow up in that whatsoever because, uh, for one, both of my parents are the only people from their family to come over with the exception of your mom, of course. Yeah, yeah, we didn't have, like, a big network, like a big family that got yeah. together every yeah. weekend. exactly, or, yeah. You know, we'd get together, obviously. Yeah. Um, but then the other thing I think that was challenging for, for our families is that, like, I mean, you and I are 12 years apart, but so are our moms. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't mean they didn't get together, but um, that is a big age difference. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, your mom was already had her whole family by the time yeah. my mom was basically my age yeah. coming into the equation or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely a lot more fractured, I would say. And I don't, I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean literally like it's not like as, um, yeah. as you would consider so yeah i mean and and for that i think it's uh uh, yeah that's why i think i always kind of like bring up the sort of identity issue or whatever but it's uh it's just because i feel like i I did not have that uh, typical family network structure that is um known in the mexican community specifically the mexican community because i don't know about other Latino yeah. or whatever. But, I think um, it's I think it's common in a lot of immigrant communities. So yeah, like yeah, like our yeah. Vietnamese friends in yeah. Fort Worth, hey, like I have Vietnamese friends who have like really big families, you know, mm-hmm. and they get together every weekend yep, and yep. all that sort of thing. Yep. And and then yeah, we have a lot of I have a lot of Tejano friends. Yeah. Mexican American, but they're more Tejano than anything. Yep. Third, fourth generation, they have big families. They yep. never leave Fort Worth. I mean, sure. they might go to college and they yep. come back though. Yep. Um, and we had a very different experience. I feel like neither, like yeah. our families aren't just, they're just not rooted yeah. very strongly For sure, yeah. <laughs> other than the ones in Mexico. But, right, right. Um, but yeah, I think that's why I, we have no issue leaving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, 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 why do you think like you went to Maine? Why did you choose? Um, yeah, I mean, the only reason I ever heard about that school was because I was at that uh, summer program, uh, was at this summer program that um, Jesus went to. So, I mean, the only reason I went was because you had gone. Uh, it was this uh, 
It's MS Squared. Shout out to MS Squared. Uh, amazing experience. Uh, math and science for minority students. And just a very quick recap. Yeah, there are um, certain cities that are... It's a program, summer program run at Phillips Academy in Andover, Massachusetts, where it's like 100 kids. It's about 120. 120 kids, yeah. uh, uh, minority students. So it's um, African-American, Latino, and Native American High school students go for five to six weeks for three summers, your freshman, sophomore, and junior year. And you basically, it's like a math and science boot camp. Um, and the third year, you go and you visit different schools, you different colleges, and uh, Bates was one of them. So I went there, and then, yeah, I mean... I was just kind of lazy, you know, I didn't really like think it through too much. I was just like, well, uh, this is the school that's offering like, you know, the most uh, scholarships. So uh, go there. And then a good friend of mine from MS Squared was also going there. So that kind of sealed the deal. And overall, it was a good experience. You know, it was like, cool to see the, the sort of like New England culture. And um, yeah, you know, it was, I think, a cool learning experience. You didn't Overall. just fucking smoke weed for four years? Well, no, I did that, but uh, <laughs> it's like a liberal arts college. Like, everyone and their fucking mom smokes weed, but um, uh, <laughs> that's probably why I got along with them. But um, no, yeah. What was, it was interesting is because, like, like, for me, like, when I was choosing where to go to school, like, that, that kind of culture, the environment, um, and the weather, obviously. But, yeah. <laughs> but when I saw, like, like how strong like the the Chicano Latino community was yeah. at Stanford, I was yeah. like, all right, this might be pretty dope. Uh, compared to like my other top choice was like Brown, and I was like, ah, yeah. this is gonna be kind of whack. For sure, plus yeah. it's gonna be fucking cold. But um, but that kind of became uh, honestly somewhat of an integral part of the my experience because I was so tight with like that community. Yep. Yeah, it's funny. I don't. Uh, I wasn't even thinking about that shit at that point. Honestly, like I don't even know why. Like it just wasn't. It was almost like just pure ignorance that I didn't realize that there was communities out there that were like the Chicano community or the Mecha or I had no idea what the fuck that was. And had I known back then, I probably would have you know maybe like investigated more. But at that point, I wasn't really like looking to sort of fortify my Mexicanness <laughs> or anything. <laughs> No. What what um what did you major in? English. Why did you end up choosing English? It was basically because I had a professor who I had taken a few like maybe three or four classes over the course of like my first two years. He was an English professor. I really liked him, and then I essentially it was just like this guy's cool, and you know I'll be he'll be my um, advisor, and he's an English professor, so uh, you know like to read, and uh, he gave cool courses, and that was. Didn't really think it through. What did you think you were going to be doing after you graduated? Um, I mean, being a teacher, basically, either being a teacher or going to grad school. But, you know, I quickly realized that, you know, I'm not an academic in any means, by any means. You know, I don't see myself in academia. You know, I don't. Uh, I really respect people who do it. And I really admire a lot of uh, my friends are doing really awesome things or going to really awesome schools. Uh, but yeah, it's just not, I just, I don't, um, I just don't, I don't, my mind doesn't work that way, I guess. I don't, uh, meaning like, like, you know, to continue to do a, like a, a graduate degree or yeah, to yeah. go into teaching? Or yeah, both? Or a graduate degree. I yeah. think teaching is more realistic than, um, than going to graduate school. Yeah. Cause graduate school, you know, you really have to 
want to be there and you want to have you got to know what the fuck you're like wanting to study or whatever what was some of the shit you read in college that really like stood out for you or that stuck with you the my professor the advisor who i just mentioned uh taught a lot of 20th century uh english literature so i guess what's considered the modern era and so um one I still read the short stories that D.H. Lawrence, if anybody out there is listening and likes short stories, D.H. Lawrence. Interesting. Interesting. So is there a, partic- a particular short story, a D.H. Lawrence short story that yeah, you can tell people to read? Uh, if you're, yeah, if you're listening to this, definitely check out The Blind Man. That is the best artists are like architects. You know, they're really crazy craftsmen who like spend a lot of time uh, revision after revision, building, 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 and then make something really awesome at the end. Yeah. Um, but yeah, The Blind Man by Dean Lawrence is a really good. Um, it's, it's so simple, you know. It's like it's basically like a story about a husband and a wife and their friend having dinner. It's like that's it. Like that's the point. That's the fucking story. It's like them. Interesting. So when you when you left uh, Maine. You went back to Texas, or what? What was that? What was going on then? What were you trying to figure out? But yeah, I just went back to Fort Worth, Fort Worth, Texas, and then I was working at a coffee shop for like probably like five, six months, um, and then from there, like I, I found a job through uh, that dude Luis, uh, a friend Luis Sanchez. I started working at a um, at a uh, radio station as a videographer yeah. um and it was the 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 kid craddock show in dallas That's right. i forgot about it's crazy that. yeah he, yeah so yeah that was cool and that was just ran it was kind of cool to see a um how a show like that gets run on the ground you know there's like a producer there like feeding people what to say or what to, what's next there's like the radio hosts it was kind of lame, you know, because it was like uh, celebrity news, like Justin Bieber did this shit. And even though I'm kind of doing that now, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was just kind of like a celebrity news roundup. And it's they, just a morning news show, yeah, a yeah. morning bullshit, morning yeah. drive show. Yeah, but they, right? they, it was morning drive, but then they would film for uh, Dish. Dish, yeah. Dish Nation. For Dish Nation, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, after that, then... Uh, yeah, and then we kind of started talking about this madre around that time, basically. And then, and I remember actually uh, my last year of college, um, one of my many regrets <laughs> was that uh, my, my senior year in college, uh, I took a class, like a really kind of like basic kind of like, uh, what was it? It was like a, uh, like a film intro to like film editing or something like that. And there was a lab at my... Um, a lab at my school that had been there the entire time I had been there with uh, Final Cut Pro. And uh, I, was, I remember when I first started messing around with it, I was like, man, fuck, why didn't I find this like my freshman year? You know, I would have yeah. done that or whatever. But anyways, I started making just like little videos then. And then around the same time, I remember you sent, uh, um, you had sent uh, a version of uh, Americano, the, your film script to just kind of look over and then I was like, this is tight. You know, I feel like this would be cool to, to pursue in some fashion. <clears throat> and then, yeah, and then we did, uh, your brother turned 40, and we went to Mexico and filmed that first skit. Yeah. We'd obviously talked about it a lot beforehand, but yeah. that was kind of the first uh, notable marker, I feel. Yeah, yeah. 
what did, I mean, what did you, I don't even, I guess at the time, like, um, the idea was, you know, to do this big, like, you know, to start this kind of, uh, platform or this space for folks like us. Yeah. And, um, I'm trying to remember, like, I, from my perspective or from my memory, like, it wasn't, um, you were just kind of like, yeah, this seems dope, and it didn't take a ton of convincing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I feel like, I mean, did you think about it? Did you, like, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get, like, you know, what convinced you to just say fuck it and, and try to do this? Like I said, I was, even then, I knew that I didn't want to go to graduate school. Um, at, at that point, I was just kind of, I thought that, that um, the videographer job was actually pretty tight because it yeah. paid pretty well. And it was like you, it was funny, like anybody could have done that fucking job because it was like you press record and then you stopped. And like, it, wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't really. It's all we do here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It wasn't. Um, but it was cool. Uh, but I thought it was cool that um, to see a produced show like that. And um, from there, you know, I think I, if I hadn't have done this, I feel like I just would have kept looking for stuff in film production or somehow. More just production related. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More than, definitely way more than being a fucking teacher or uh, going to graduate school. Yeah. yeah, you know, and then once you start actually making any sort of video, any, start producing things, you start to, my level of cynicism for other works of art went way lower than it used to be. Right. Uh, yeah. Right. Because people are yeah. like, oh, that movie sucks ass. Like, they don't know what they're doing. It's like, well, they did something. They, they wrote a script. They got actors. They filmed it. They edited it. And they put it together. And once you do it yourself, then you realize how hard it really is to come up with something that's uh, good or deemed good, whatever. whatever yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now I don't ever do that. Like, I feel unless like a movie is really, really bad, then I I'm always just give them the benefit of the doubt, and or I at least be like, you you guys at least did it. I think what annoys me most is when somebody has a lot of money mm-hmm. and they still do something. Yeah. I mean, it's you know that's really frustrating. Or when somebody who um, seemingly has done something well or a number of things well in the past, and then they do something where you can tell like it's cashing out or. Uh, no, more just kind of like you got lazy or, yeah. and that's, I, I can't even think of an example, a good example for that. But when somebody starts kind of falling off and you're like, oh man, what happened? Mm. I guess it's more just kind of disappointing yeah. <laughs> to see somebody go off the for map. Sure, yeah. But it's certainly like um, really tough to um, criticize people once you've done it yourself. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like, oh man. Because I will pick up the camera, my friend, and do it yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's why yeah. it's always. Uh, do, do you well do, when you started getting into it? Did you think you'd end up in front of the camera at all? Not really. Um, well, I guess yeah. The 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 whole character of Juan Yerbas was kind of made out of necessity than actual like. Yeah, let's, let's talk about the character, the origins of Juan Yerbas. Origins of Juan Yerbas. So yeah, the Mas and the Power, season one, episode one was filmed here obviously in the bay yeah uh it was um but you weren't diff- even here for that. i was in yeah i wasn't even here for that shoot at all yeah so it was um chingo jerry and that other guy kenny, kenny the asian dude in the first episode yeah and who played jerome who played jerome a different sort of sidekick character yeah 
And then that guy left, right? Or he went to L.A. Yeah, he moved to L.A. He started talking about he joined the union um, and all this stuff. And plus, I think, like, the first episode we did with him, he wasn't totally buying into the character. Like, yeah. he wasn't, like, going ham. Yeah. Um, he's a good actor, but I don't think he... I think maybe he felt he was going to be offending African Americans or something because yeah. he was basically playing a black guy yeah. who was Asian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he wasn't down to just get stupid. So, right. and then uh, from there, um, yeah, I guess that's that was like uh, February or beginning of 2014. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 15. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. 14. Yeah, 14. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, and then I guess just out of necessity, almost it was like another sidekick character, and uh, they were gonna film the rest of the first season right with chingo and jerry of course yeah i i think we 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 realized obviously it'd be cool to have like a pothead character who was a gardener right that's pretty much it yeah that's pretty much it yeah that was the origin the 2014 uh filming the rest of the first season of mass and the power and check that out if you haven't seen it already yeah, I think I think initially for me, like as like the the producer or like the whatever, like the initial creator of it, like I wouldn't have, I probably wouldn't have said, yeah, you should do this, unless uh, we did we did those skits that were the first office skits, the my first employee or the employee numero uno, and when we did those, like I was like, oh shit, like you're fucking funny, or like it was just like really natural, right? And people liked those, and they were like, "This is kind of this is kind of a weird uh, vibe you're giving off as a as a comedian, as a comedic actor." Um, and I was like, "All right, like you could do this," or it kind of came out of that. I I don't I'm trying to remember if there was any other thing. I don't think so. Not before that. The Kawama thing was before, right? Yeah, but you weren't really. I mean, yeah, you were just kind of a body double yeah, in that yeah, thing, right? For sure, yeah. Um, so I'd say the employee. I mean, ideally, I would want to do that. Uh, back then at least was like kind of behind the scenes and then just providing the sort of the craft afterwards or whatever like that that first episode I thought was really cool so yeah and back then I think I would have preferred to do more stuff like that where it's you know bringing it all together after their word or whatever and post whatever you want to call it Um, but then yeah you know it's it's being in front of cameras pretty hard uh because you don't really know what it's going to be like until you actually see it. <laughs> and even then, like even last week's Mundo, you know, like I, I, I don't think I've gotten to the point where I sort of know what I'm projecting, how it's going to come off once it's once it's ready to go or once yeah. it's on. What is it like? Because I, I haven't done a lot of stuff in front of the camera where I'm working with like a director or whatever. But I mean, when we work together, I'm basically like directing you. Right. And like there's a level of trust there. Yeah. Like what, um, how has that like evolved for you? Like how much do you trust? You're pretty, you take direction really well, generally speaking. And you're not like, like some people are like kind of defensive sometimes. Um, but you seem to just be like, all right, I'll try that. Sure. Uh, well, I think, uh, and I guess you haven't worked with a lot of other directors. So I think if anything, uh, I'm just under the sort of, uh, impression that uh you should be trying to make something that's as good as possible you know yeah. and even and if that means that you didn't come up with that idea then that's that's fine i don't really have 
don't yeah. give a fuck like if you say something that's that, that's funny or that that I think is gonna work then yeah I'll say it and um, if anything the, it, the most the hardest part I think is just kind of being uh, very conscious of how you look basically they're just being self-conscious and it's obviously physically of whatever but it's also more like just everything you know how you move you how you do one little thing and uh you're just very self-conscious in the most literal terms yeah 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 because <clears throat> you're because it's being captured you know every everything you do is is going to be it's getting captured so you have to just make sure that you're um conscious of that and know that I think the best performers are ones that are able to, that are conscious of that, but that can also just go crazy, you know, and not give a fuck about how they're being perceived, if you will. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, it's obviously a learning uh, process, but I think, yeah, I would like to try to do some other stuff that's not uh, comedy. I love comedy. Like, I will always be, I feel like, a comedic performer, if you will. Cause it's just it's just fun, you know. You to just fuck around, and uh, but eventually, yeah, it would be cool to do in like a more serious, dramatic. Yeah, you know, yeah. How uh, like this? Uh, how important do you think it is to find a good group of people, or even just another person? Yeah. <laughs> honestly, like honestly, like for me, like I feel like I always wanted to be a filmmaker. I always wanted to do like something whether it was tv or film or work in this space i mean i remember when i got out of college i bought myself a mini dv camera and um i would try to get larissa to like do stuff with me hey like let's film this little skit or something and she'd be like oh yeah yeah, get the fuck out of here or i try to wrangle other friends to do stuff but nobody was into filmmaking none of my friends anyway i just had like a bunch of like engineer or nerdy friends or whatever and so it was always very difficult for me to kind of just do stuff because I, I wasn't around anybody doing it. Um, you know, when I did my first short film, basically I hired a bunch of people, you know? Um, and I feel like if you look at other people who have been successful, um, there's always a crew around them. Yeah. Like, so you like, look at like the, uh, what are the guys like the foot fist way guys, yeah, you know, that's a great example. Yeah. That's uh, what, what are their names? Jody, uh, no, Jody Hill and uh, Jody, Danny McBride, Jody Hill, Danny McBride. Um, that's the main two. Yeah. So there's, and then like, then you look at like the broken lizard guys. Mm-hmm. Right. And then yep. you look at like Seth Rogen and yep. Jed Apatow and yep. those guys, like, I feel like it's super necessary to find a few yeah. people who you really kind of not only align with, um, kind of just artistically if yeah. like a better way to put it but also just uh, that you trust it's very important of course it's, it's important to find people that um align with your tastes in some fashion <clears throat> to uh, make stuff with of course but then at the same time um at the the landscape is like changing so much now that that is ultimately i think the most important to have that sort of base to make sure that you have people to really like create with if you will <clears throat> but then at the same time as like uh, for me or for us in some fashion you know it's like trying to make something that's different from what we're seeing in this space do you think content is art yeah of course um it can be, you know, there's so many people doing s- cool things that are very authentic and very, you know, like, 
you know, you should always be challenging yourself to um, make something that's different, but that people can relate to. But at the same time, you got to make money, of course. So, um, <laughs> unfortunately, there, there's uh, being true to yourself, to your art, or whatever, doesn't always lead to, you know, like a viable business. Unfortunately, yeah. so it's, it's a viable kind of, living. Yeah. 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 Living, yeah, and yeah. so it's always hard to uh, find that balance. Some pe- people are they, they do it, and it takes a long time. And then uh, there's also other people that are doing it that doesn't take a lot of time because they know the kind of content to make that will get those likes, those views, those subs, if you will. And um, yeah, so I think over time, you know, like you want to think about it in you know five, ten years time. And you want to look back and you want to see, you know, um, you know, videos about, you know, listicle videos or these like very. Um, yeah. Or do you want to look back and see that you were doing something that's ultimately a start of something else or something, you know, like with El Mundo, it's, it's fun because uh, it's not a new format by any means. <laughs> But it is a different kind of character that I feel that I don't think any I've never seen. You know, it's like yeah. someone who I think the the novelty of El Mundo is that it's by and large American pop culture done in Spanish yeah. and thrown in with like a lot of other. There sometimes there is like Latin America or Mexican stuff does yeah. get talked about or whatever, but. Yeah. That is sort of the novelty, and um, yeah, I think people are the people that like it are definitely uh, reacting to it well. Yeah, so it's cool to see. Let's talk about like um, the process of El Mundo. Maybe people are interested in hearing like yeah. kind of what what it, uh, usually like what is the week? How do uh, let's like trace the week in in making El Mundo? So yeah. we drop El Mundo every Friday, Friday yeah. um, usually around five, <laughs> scrambling to get it out. Yeah. What's the first thing that happens with El Mundo? Uh, I think it's just um, looking out for headlines throughout the week or throughout the beginning of the week. So starting Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, you're just you're kind of looking out and saving links that you think might be a good story. So starting on Tuesday and Wednesday is when you really start bringing all those headlines into a doc, just a regular Google doc. And then, uh, you know, like you spend, we spend like Wednesday afternoon writing the script essentially um, for El Mundo. So there's, you know, four to six headlines. And uh, we've been, we're still trying to figure out the, 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 the sweet spot for the format, if you will. Yeah. But ideally, you know, uh, I think they average at this point around seven to eight minutes, yeah. which it runs a little long. Uh, but uh, so, yeah, so. You gather up headlines, and then Tuesday and Wednesday you write it, and then Thursday when we shoot it, I'll usually spend the first part of the morning literally translating it. So we write it all in English, and then uh, and then I spend you know the, the the like a good hour like just literally translating everything because, as some of you have pointed out, uh, <laughs> the Spanish isn't necessarily 100% accurate all of the time, so. Uh, but it should be stated that sometimes it's intentionally not accurate. Right, right. And then it's the whole stylistic. Yeah. There's a lot of choices being yeah. made there, right? But um, so yeah, you know, we we translate it and then then we shoot it and then we shoot it on Thursday. You try to do it before the afternoon on on Thursday, yeah. 
So you spend all of Thursday afternoon and Friday morning editing it. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah. So yeah. So Sammy will will do the headlines and the writing somewhat together. Usually we'll each do like, as far as the script, like you might do a couple of the headlines and then I'll do a few yeah. of them. Um, and then Sammy does the translating, and obviously because he's got to do that, he puts it into whatever Spanish is going to be best for yeah. him, yeah. <clears throat> which would probably be different than if I did it for myself. Um, because Sammy's dad is from Mexico City, his Spanish is actually pretty, not different than mine, we totally understand each other, but you have a lot more, com- a, a much stronger command and a lot more colloquialisms and kind of slang, I yeah. think, from your dad. Uh, I think, just quickly, I, I I'm know that that's because I'm an only child, I feel like, more so than anything. Um, probably, but also just because your dad's just a lot, he's very social, like your dad likes to talk. Sure. He likes to talk a lot. That's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I, that's a good thing. Like, I like your dad. Yeah. Um, but he's like, he's just a bullshitter and he yeah. likes to talk, you know. My dad will talk a lot, but you don't want to listen. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't like to talk. My dad doesn't like to talk about, like, pop culture and, like, <laughs> art and shit. Like, where your dad does, I think. Yeah. You know, you guys talk about a lot of random shit. Yeah. But I guess I just meant from the terms of, like, I feel like a lot of Mexican-American people... Uh, there's a lot more of like uh, mixing of the languages if you have yeah. siblings yeah, yeah, you know yeah. like if that's when true. so true. when I was at home I never spoke English ever like literally right. never ever 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 never spoke a I've maybe honestly spoken like like a paragraph's worth of English to my dad and like all of it ironically like just like <laughs> I remember when I was like uh, like a, I remember always probably more than that honestly because I would always like uh, when we were going somewhere to eat or something I would always just clown around and be like where do you want to go eat dad he's like no business con tus pendejadas or some shit like that you know like, but I would say it exactly like that in English in like a really like kind of fucking fresa ass voice or something but um, so yeah going back to El Mundo yeah you know um it's challenging for sure, uh, doing it all in Spanish because... Uh, well, not only do you translate it, because first Sammy will translate it, and then I'll be working on something else or kind of getting the setup ready. And Sammy, maybe for like two hours, is literally like rehearsing in his head. And I think, you know, getting the lines as closely as possible. And you can kind of hear you under your breath, like you're saying the lines, you're yeah. walking around, maybe just listening to music, but you're listening, you're doing the lines, yeah. and you've got the script. Yeah. So that going into it, we don't waste as much exactly because yeah. we used to just walk into the script and say oh man yeah especially was- earlier i think when we were trying to i will say um just in terms of the style like you know we're, we've been trying to not only find the balance of the length and how many bits but also like the tone yeah and like is this more daily show or yeah. is it more saturday night live yeah. weekend update yeah and i think you know we've gone i think we started in some mix and then we went very daily show-ish for a yeah, while yeah. and those are a lot of things that i was writing where they were like these long diatribes yeah. about something fucked yeah. up in the world or something yeah, yeah. and that stuff is tough yeah because yeah going to- back to i think me being not academic but more comedic in nature like i think the snl stuff just i, I can pull off better because you know like john oliver john stewart all those guys are super fucking smart you know they're very like you can tell that they are, you know, like, I, I, I think, well, yeah, I would say, I don't think it's not about, it's not about being academic or smart. It's about like 
do you really not that you don't give a shit about those issues but do you really have the passion to yeah, like true. feed into that sort of persona yeah, yeah. right yeah. and like those guys like they believe it yeah, right yeah. so they're just like fired up and they're sure, ready yeah. to do that sort yeah. of thing i'm just a apathetic millennial who yeah uh, <laughs> careless <laughs> uh, but yeah that's what i'm saying like you like it, it's not that you don't care but it, you're not I think you're more interested in just like being a, um, a comedian, yeah. like you're like you're saying right now, and yeah. and finding that balance has been interesting. Yeah. Um, and and I think for me as like as one of the, as like the writer or one of the writers, the challenge is trying to find ways to convey some of that uh, that social messaging in the comedy. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And then SNL does that really well. And, but then also, I think it's really fun to just go really crazy, you know. Or, um, I'm trying to think of one where it was particularly... Well, just even last week, like the, Danny, the Danny Trejo yeah. one. Like, I think it got a little out of hand in a good way. Yeah. And we're actually kind of saying something, Yeah. I think. Yeah. You know, because we're fucking around yeah. with what is latino content or what yeah. is you know but yeah it's always it's always a balance of trying to find like some topics where we can actually do some sort of social commentary yeah. with bullshit like you know scro talks yeah and and uh and and i'm a big fan of both snl because i grew up with that probably a lot more than you did yeah. it was a lot more popular when i was still in school and whatnot um it caught like the very end of like the Sandler and uh, Will Ferrell. Yeah, those Will are Ferrell. really good too. Yeah, but then yeah. after that, yeah, I didn't. I, st- yeah. I haven't watched SNL in like ten yeah. years, maybe. I, w- I love watching highlights and stuff, but yeah, I mean, I was, you know, watching it in middle school and high school, and that was like, you know, you had Dana Carvey and you yeah. you had like, um, yeah, Adam Sandler. You had who the fuck else was there? Um, yeah, Chris Chris Farley. Yeah. Um, and and oh uh you know uh, uh mike myers yep. so like wayne's world yep, like yep. i loved that shit <laughs> you know and i would i would stay up like every saturday to watch that shit yep. um and then in <clears> college <throat> when daily show started obviously really loved that um but yeah it's a balance of, of trying to figure out that thing and and i i don't know like i guess another question would be like do you think we're making like latino content or oh man uh let's pass on that question (laughs) well uh yes i can the short answer i think is yes um but the longer answer is uh i mean i don't know i take that back i think it's american content because uh, I, I don't know. I'm trying to sound deep or something, but I, I, I don't know. I think it is American content because uh, it's being made in America, if you will. And uh, I think we're s- children of immigrants, which is also very American. And... Uh, but our parents, our lineage is very Mexican. Um, but it's just like this weird space that I don't quite understand myself because um, it's like both, you know, and I think it's, uh, I don't know. <laughs> 
I kind of lost myself there, but uh, I think if um, we're not explicitly saying that we're making Latino content like other people are, I think just we're making content and by virtue of us being quote unquote Latino, people can, they can fucking figure it out. I don't, <laughs> I don't. Yeah, no, I think I'm, I'm, I, uh, I would, uh, pretty much agree with that and give it like a similar answer. And we've talked about this a lot yeah. amongst ourselves and other folks as well. But, um, I think what's cool, um, and speaks to the fact that maybe it's not, is that my water? Is that supposed to be my water? It's both. <laughs> well, this one I got earlier, but I'm about these two cups. Look at this. What are palettes? Um, I think what's cool is that actually like a lot of people who are not Latino have watched our shit and they watch El Mundo and they fucking really dig it. And then there's people who are Latino who really dig it as well. And there's people who don't give a fuck about it either. Yeah. But I think my goal with a lot of the stuff we work on is, is, is um, to make it hit regardless of what you're background might be but but to but to include the cultural specificity just because that's kind of what we know and it's kind of what we are and whatnot yeah um it's just really weird space man because i feel that other people are you know really going gung-ho the other way like that they're like hey we're latino like all latinos come here come watch this we're latino we're latino we're making latino content come check it out and uh in my and then in my opinion that's like a bit uh, exclusive in a bad way it's um, you know you see all this stuff online of these sort of like uh, I won't get too crazy but you know like uh, you see all this stuff online of of this kind of online activism uh, for in the Latino community yeah. and some of the language that I see there I think is very problematic you know it's very sort of um, exclusive and um and whiny at the end of the day like um so it's like this really weird space to to where like i I sometimes think about whether people are like oh are these guys not saying that they're explicitly mexican because they're not proud to be mexican or latino (laughs) whereas other you know people are like very explicit about it you know yeah yeah and so, yeah, I, I sometimes wonder whether, like, people are, are turned off by that, that we're not um, kind of really gun-ho about it. And, and, and you know, for my, my personally, I'm just like, I don't really have to prove shit to anybody, you know. I don't, I, <laughs> like, I know where I sort of stand in my own sort of uh, cultural identity, if you will. And um, so it's just like this really weird space. And I think it all comes down to that we are literally in the process of, of um, creating our identity as um, Mexican, specifically Mexican-Americans in America, whatever that means. And we're like, at, like as we speak, there's, it's happening right now. And I just, it's, it's uncomfortable to talk about. And I don't think one side really has it figured out um, as to what it means or how we can progress or what that means. And so that's why I think I'm a little critical of how the sort of online community talks about it, because it's all, it's like all it's almost like it's all talk and no walk. Like, why aren't you? Uh, I think the real change is like get pe- get our people into politics, get our people into 
the these businesses creating our own stuff and stop fucking blaming white people you know it's like there's allies there a lot of them you know are shitty whatever but you know there's shitty mexican people and i don't know there's there's shitty all kinds of people and if you single out white people like that like i don't know there's no doubt that there's been this crazy systematic oppression yeah oppression you know i totally agree but we're living in new times and i think we can uh, um tackle it or, or confront it in a much more uh, in, a, in a way that that actually provides like actual um like a productive ways yeah productive as yeah. opposed to just putting up memes whining and whining and, and yeah. that doesn't do shit you know it's like if you really care about your people like start building stuff for them to 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 grow in you know and it's like you can only play that card so often so much before like you live your whole life and not shit happens i think that would be my thing is that at least with this it's like we can say that like we at least try to you know do our own thing and we're not um selling out or we're not like uh although if someone does want to uh yeah. <laughs> carritos is listening uh <laughs> Did you know that thing was directed yeah, yeah. by... I was just about to say that, yeah. <laughs> that motherfucker, yeah. I guess, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Diego Luna directed that, that touching uh, Jarritos commercial. <laughs> um, Same product that's giving diabetes to all of our people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, um, yeah, I think that's always somewhat been the goal with, with what we're trying to do is to try to go back to what we talked about with Nate that first time is like try to be our own house. Yeah. And I yeah. think um, I think with some of the stuff we're doing with trying to, to be more direct to the audience where we're doing like Patreon or we're doing yeah. like merch, mm-hmm. it takes a lot of work. Um, but the beauty of that, if fans get behind it, is that we really don't answer to anybody but our fans, yeah. which is how it ultimately should be. And yeah. we don't have to shell out for advertising or yeah. whatever, um, which is awesome. If you look at bigger businesses, I mean, that's why HBO was able to do the shit they did because they didn't have to worry about advertisers. It's all subscription based. Right. Mm-hmm. So people pay for HBO because right. they like. HBO yeah. shows right. <laughs> um, and there's no commercials, yeah. you know, which is fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, and ideally, you know, you live in a place like that. And I think we've been kind of it's a Jarritos truck making a, a delivery outside yeah. right now. Um, and yeah, I think that's, we've been trying to figure it out. I think other people are trying to figure out whether they are a maker, whether they're me too, whether they're other digital entities are trying to figure out how to monetize uh, their content. Um, some of them have most of those places were started simply to monetize not just to monetize because they didn't even have content to begin with (laughs) I would say that we are content first right and then we're trying to figure out you know how how to monetize it and they've just been about like uh, let's make some money yeah I'd say like the subscription model is awesome if you can figure out a way to swing it and uh, some of the technologies that are out there are certainly awesome whether it's Vimeo or Patreon or uh, these other direct to model, uh, direct to audience sort of things. Yeah. They just take a lot of time, and people have to think your content is premium yeah. to really pay for it. Um, 
I don't know. What do you, what do you, um, I would, I'd say another thing is interesting is that like, how do you, um, how do you see like the, like the, your, your art, if you will, how do you see your work or your art evolving? Like, what do you want? What else do you want to do? I know you said you want to do like more dramatic stuff. Well, I mean, um, not that that's what you're fucking sitting there jonesing for, but like, what do you want to do like next? And I know we've talked about like, what are the shorter short form content we want to do? Um, I don't know. Where do you want to take it? And I think, I think I'll just say this too. Like one of the challenging things of working on something like this madre or where you have like a group of people is that you do have to try to, you sometimes are trying to balance like the, the brand, if you will. And then also your own personal, um, you know, uh, aspiration. Yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah. There's your personal aspirations. Then, then there's your personal taste. Um, and so because of that, like I'd say, like, like we've struggled, I don't think we've struggled too bad, but it certainly comes up and, and it's like, we have to make, you know, we have to do, even on this podcast, right? It's like, what do we want the podcast to be like? Do we want to do something more ambitious? And you're like, well, how much time do we have? How much money do we have? Um, what is it worth? Um, and, and then what is the other stuff that you want to do or whatever? So anyway, what do you want? What else do you want to do? Like, you know, ideally, like what kind of more shit do you want to do? And, and do you think it fits within this madre or like what, you know? Yeah. Yeah. One thing that we didn't mention is that I'm a disciple of uh, Dave Chappelle. Uh, you know, I started watching uh, Chappelle show came out when I was in sixth grade and I, you know, I've been uh, obsessed with it. You know, I, I can watch those skits today, like 15 years later and still think they're hilarious. Like every single one, there's, they're just so, it's amazing. You know, if you don't know about Dave Chappelle, then I guess just. You're fucking living under a rock. <laughs> yeah, that's what you're doing. So, uh, so that being said, you know, I would like to keep doing skits, you know, of um, those kind of skits where there, he just was a master of doing really stupid, goofy things, but they still had uh, like a message to them, or there was always some sort of like social critique within those really seemingly stupid, yeah. silly sketches. And that sort of thing I think uh, I would love to keep doing. And then the only other thing I feel like uh, to do would be more, uh, I love rap, I love hip hop. And uh, yeah, you know, eventually just doing more like music videos or more like uh, experimental type of video. Um, not that that, <laughs> uh, I'd, lo- I'd need to keep working on that more for sure. Cause yeah, it seems like you'd certainly have like some like a strong interest in like the visual arts. Yeah. And um whether it's, you know, photography or just like you know, the literary art or collage or that sort yeah. of thing. Um I don't think anybody really knows about that cuz you don't Yeah. Um but it's that just that honestly, it's just getting better essentially as an artist, you know, cuz uh, again, I was also under the impression of what I mentioned earlier of being like, oh, artists, they just, like, put this shit together and, you know, whatever. But, you know, you start to think about it and, like, the best artists are, like, they're just, they really, they're obsessed with their work and they literally live and breathe it and they are practicing every single day getting their craft better and better and better. So, you know, that's almost like a a double-edged sword for me because uh, I feel like I'm, like, highly mediocre at a lot of things and not very good at one thing you know i think my strongest suit i would say is editing for sure 
for me personally, like the the thing I know I have the most command over in production or whatever is definitely editing, like uh, and, uh, shooting and acting and uh, um, I guess writing. Come, they're not. I don't think I'm as good as when I edit because I feel like when I edit, like once you have all the pieces there and you're already like getting it, putting it together, that shit is fun. You know that that really is like really cool to to bring that all together. Whereas with you know writing, you know it's harder because you know I didn't. You know I'm an all right writer, but you know it's not like I'm practicing writing like every single day, and I'm not like practicing acting every day. And ultimately, yeah, I guess I am editing more. I do more editing than anything else yeah. at this point. No, you've definitely, like... So when we started working together, you barely knew how to edit. Or yeah. you were just kind of learning. Yeah. Um, and you've gotten, like, really fast. That's yeah. for fucking sure. And the choices you make are definitely really smart yeah. as an editor. I honestly just... I don't enjoy editing as much anymore. Uh-huh. I find it to be really, like... Um, I don't know, not tedious, but I'm I'm enjoying the writing more, yeah. and I think I've gotten faster and better at the writing um, as we've worked on more stuff. I just it's like yeah, you just sit down and write, you know, <laughs> like especially because of El Mundo, I think, because they're yeah. like, all right, we got two hours, and you just kind of crank something out. Um, not that it's any good, but um, yeah, ultimately, yeah, just become a better artist or become a better craftsman, you know, because that shit is hard, you know. It, you know, you think of like, you're like, I'm never going to be like as good as like Charlie Kaufman. You know, you think of someone like that who's like a very much obsessive person. And uh, that guy is fucking unhappy. Like, just listening to an interview the other day, he's like, I'm a failure. <laughs> it's like, dude, you just wrote some of the coolest shit of like this century. Like, Because uh, he's a failure as a director. Yeah. He's a financial failure yeah, as a yeah. director. Of course. So, but yeah, it's yeah, because yeah. he doesn't want to sell out. And that's yeah. cool. That's the cool thing about him is that yeah. he doesn't want to do... A fucking rom-com and yeah his type of art is never gonna be like mainstream mainstream enough. yeah yeah and i'm sure he could do it is the thing you know like well i mean that one he did the last one he did was a beautiful film from what i understand i haven't seen it but yeah. either the the stop motion yeah or the animation uh, um something with an a yeah, yeah something with an I, a. I didn't see that either um <clears throat> and he's obviously an amazing writer yeah I like the fact that um, I like being able to do it all. And when yeah. you said earlier, like you don't know, you're not really good at any one thing. Um, I think if you want to be like a quote unquote like technician or a craftsman of one thing, then it's good to specialize. But personally, I'm like I just want to be like a filmmaker or a storyteller. Especially. So in today's age yeah, yeah yeah i think you have to be good at like all the yeah the crafts or you have to have a command of all of them yeah and i think people from the previous generation like charlie kaufman came from a uh, environment where they had to be you know there was like there was a writer there was a director there was a producer yeah. whereas now with like the you know uh, technology like you can do anything you want yeah. you can pick up a camera and go shoot something go back to your mac edit it and there it is. And if you're not doing that, then you're slowing yourself down and you're, you fall behind. Yeah. Yeah. I would say it's like, like uh, filmmaking is now like poetry or, or writing. Like yeah. the tools are extremely democratic. Obviously, not everybody can afford all yeah, this stuff. Of course, but yeah. 
more or less you could go shoot something pretty good on your iPhone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> edit it on your Mac and, and, and tell something very special. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm curious if, if anybody watches or listens to this, please leave your comments with regards to uh, what you guys think about Mundo <laughs> and the sketches that we've done and kind of what you want to see more of because um, we're going to keep working on shit. I think we're good. This is uh, hopefully you guys have learned about your, your identity, your brown identity. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's an interesting one. I, we we obviously dove into it a little bit, but yeah. I think we don't we don't really like to dwell on it a whole lot. Yeah. And and obviously, like we just want to do work. And we noticed a lot of people getting caught up in the in that. Yeah. And uh, as uh, and it starts to serve more of a of a, a barrier than a source of inspiration yeah, for your work. Sure, yeah. Um. And and I people will say, well, you guys are very Mexican. You guys are desmadre, and, and you're sits in Spanish. But I think if you really start looking at it, well, number one, desmadre, we just named it that because it's kind of a dope word and it makes sense. And that's about as much as we want to give away, right? Yeah. <laughs> as far as the cultural background. Yeah. Um, of the name, or the... Yeah, I mean that that's it. That's it. And I, I, it's American content, like you said. And and some people will say, well, why'd you choose Spanish? We're like, well, because there's Spanish motherfucking speakers here. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll do one of these in a year from now and see what's changed. And yeah. You're gonna be wearing a zoot suit and <laughs> <laughs> have like a fucking lowrider tattoo or. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hopefully. Uh, Mundo's got more than 1,500 views. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, thank you for joining this podcast. Unless there's something else you want to say. I'm good, yeah. Sammy's good. We, we can go get some Panda Express now, <laughs> motherfuckers. Yep. Um, thank you guys for joining this podcast. Um, we'll try to get Sonia Sotomayor on uh, as soon as possible. Um, some other brilliant minds <laughs> from our community. And... Uh, Thank you for listening. Keep watching. Check out our Patreon page. Donate a dollar. Or you could feed a child in Africa. <laughs> Later. All right. This Madre podcast number four is over. Thank you so much for supporting, for listening, for telling your friends about us. Remember to leave a review on iTunes. Five stars. A little few comments about how awesome we are. And tell your friends about us. Uh, check out Patreon as well. Patreon.com forward slash Desmada. Thanks, guys. See you next week.